Please turn in your Bibles tonight. With me for a few moments in Colossians chapter number 4. And let's look at some other verses in the book of Colossians tonight. But let's turn to Colossians chapter number 4. Beginning in verse number 12 there. I'll speak to you tonight about concerning the subject of all of the will of God. And tonight I want you to look in chapter 4 verse number 12. My heart's desire is to be Epaphras, and I, I want to be that kind of a preacher, that kind of pastor, that kind of servant who loves his flock, who respects his flock, and who prays for his flock that they might develop and find the perfect will of God for their personal lives. I, I, I just uh, really have a problem with men who try to dictate to people lives and to lord over their lives i believe that a good shepherd will promote the lordship of christ over other people's lives i do my heart's desire is uh, that you do the will of god now there are some things that i know that are that is the will of god for you based on the word of god and so that right there is different than when you get into that area where it might be a gray area of what god's will is But let's look in verse 12. The Bible says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you. That means he respects you and loves you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Do you believe that if a man or a woman truly prays that it is laborious at times? It's work. Prayer is is work. It takes time to pray if you really pray. And he says that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And Paul said, I bear him record, talking about Epaphras, that he hath a great zeal for you. And them that are in Laodicea and them that are in Hierapolis, which simply means that a man of God that loves sheep, he loves other churches as well and not just his own. So now look with me in chapter number 1, if you would with me, please. I mentioned to you about certain different areas. When he said all of the will of God, all of the will of God. A few weeks ago, I preached on the subject about the will of God and its satisfaction. I hope and pray that the young couples and the young men and women and teenagers in our church, I hope they, they get a vision and a taste of God. Once you taste the Lord and see that He is good, there's absolutely nothing else that satisfies you but the Lord. And even if you get away from the Lord, you'll never be happy, you'll never be satisfied once you have tasted the goodness of God. And Psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Jesus said, My meat is to do His will. In other words, you find great satisfaction in life by doing the will of God. Of God. Many of us could be doing other things in life, but we have chosen to limit some of our, our areas of what we get involved in because we want to be in the will of God. We want to be where we can be in a Bible believing church. Uh, we want to be able to put that first in our lives and trust God to take care of the other things in our lives. The scope of God's will, I spoke about that because God's will is, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty vast. 
Now, you think about that God has a plan and God has the power to complete that plan and He doesn't ask me for counsel nor you. The heavens and the earth will bow to that plan. The heavenly host and the creatures that are in heaven will bow to that plan. And humanity one day will bow ultimately to the knee of the Lord Jesus, or should I say, will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and confess that He is Lord. Now, I have chosen, Brother Kevin, on this side of the grave to bow my knee and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brother Brent, He is not a Lord, He is the Lord. And I am willing to confess that before men, before angels, and before God. I believe that. And I believe the scope of His will will be revealed. We only see a little bit of it. When I was a kid, we used to go to, uh, Amory is a small town of about ten or 12,000, have a big main street with all the stores lined up down one street. They had a Christmas parade every year. My parents would take me as a child. It was always an exciting time to go to the parade. I mean, the, the sidewalks were just filled with people. And the, and the parade would start uh, coming down through the, the city or through the town. And uh, I could not see the end from the beginning. I could only see one float at a time because of everything that was blocking my vision. But if you happened to be one of the judges and you were sitting up high in above one of the buildings watching everything and able to judge, you could see the end from the beginning. I only could see this much. In this lifetime, God only allows me to see this much. But I serve a great God in heaven who sits on His throne and who sees the end from the beginning. And like a mighty locomotive train, He is going to get done what He says will be done. And you either get on the train or you get ran over by the train. It's up to you. I believe uh, in the Word of God and in the God of the Word. The scale of God's will. How can I know and how can I measure it? How can we know it? Look in chapter 1, verse 9 and verse number 10. I will say to many of us in here, we want to know the will of God. And many of us, however, we want to skip the scale and we want to go to what I refer to as the second level of knowing God's will. Meaning like maybe God would give you a a word from the Holy Spirit inwardly or maybe He does something uh, that is unusual to reveal His will to your heart. And you're like, when you read through the book of Acts, sometimes it might be an angel that showed up. Sometimes it might be a vision that showed up. Sometimes it might be a... Paul even said one time, and I think I would have hesitated writing this in the book when he wrote it, but he told, he said what the Holy Ghost told him to say. He said one day he was in a trance. Now, how many of us are going to come in here and say, Brother Roger, I was uh, reading my Bible the other day and I fell into a trance. And God revealed to me what we need to do about our building situation. Now, I wonder how many of us would be comfortable about what he would just say after that, about what is God's will. But what I am, I need you to understand, God is not limited in how He is able to communicate to His children, but He usually communicates that second level of, uh, of communication to those who are already doing that scale, the measurable part of the will of God. If you're not going to do what you know, why would He show you something that just because you want to know? You understand how he works here? He is not your puppet. He is not your Santa Claus. He is a sovereign God upon his throne. We are his servants. I want to impress upon my grandsons and my granddaughter that, and I say this often and I will repeat it because sometimes that's the only way you remember a few things. 
that, that God is the master and we are the servants. And He is the creator and we are the creature and the created. And He is the Lord and we are, the, we are His servants and children. And I believe that. Now, I want us to look at this thing about the scale of the will of God. How do you measure it? How can you know it? Last week I spoke to you about no matter where you are and what you're doing and how you're getting bounced around, God expects a certain disposition out of His children. Their attitude and their spirit. You can't always control how life treats you and where, what happens and where you wind up living or where you wind up working or who, who dies in your family, who lives in your family and all. You can't, you can't control so many things that affect you. But you can control your disposition through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God. You can do that. God expects some things out of us. But I want you to look in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Tonight I want to talk about not your disposition, but your direction. Your direction concerning the will of God. Look in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Look at this. I love this. Now he's already heard from Epaphras again in this passage because Epaphras had told him how these people were growing and, uh, and he had witnessed to, 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 to Paul about their love for the Lord. Look in verse 7, you'll see what I'm talking about. He said, also, he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you, a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. That is their disposition. That was their disposition. They loved the Lord. They walked in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, you will love one another. And verse 9 and verse 10, I think, are valuable verses about knowing the will of God and the direction that God wants you to go. Verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. You cannot get enough people to pray for you about the will of God. If you don't know for sure what to do sometimes, get some folks that love you and love God. Ask them to pray for you. That is an act of humility. That is confessing that I'm not sure. I don't know. I can't fix this. I need help. Don't be ashamed to ask people. And listen, just because you're asking somebody to pray for you, it doesn't mean that you have to tell them everything that's going on in your life. But it would be good if you had a few people that you could talk to and share your burdens with. Verse 9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now here, look what he says. And to desire... That you might be filled, filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And verse 10, here's where we get this thought about your direction. That you may walk. How can two walk together except they be in agreement? Alright, and if you're going to walk in the will of God, you're going to have to agree with Him. And the Bible says that you might walk worthy. So if I want to do the will of God, I have to be willing to go the direction that God's going. And He wants me to go in. Alright, verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. These are powerful verses. There are three things there that He prayed for. Number one is the knowledge of the will of God. This is what to do. This knowledge, you, you need to know what to do in order to do it. I can't do what I don't know 
And so he wants us to have the knowledge of the will of God. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, several times he chewed on and got on to and rebuked the Old Testament priests because one of their roles was not just to offer sacrifices on certain days, but during the week, whenever, their goal was to teach the people knowledge. That's why you find him later saying, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. There's one thing that you should get out of church is some knowledge. You should increase in the knowledge of the Bible and the Word of God. You can leave feeling warm and fuzzy and have not learned anything. Matter of fact, you can stop at Starbucks and feel warm and fuzzy after you leave there, but you hadn't learned anything. If you get some of that molasses they sell, I'm talking about. Amen? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys make fun of my coffee. Just because you can read a newspaper through my coffee doesn't mean it's sissy coffee. Amen? <laughs> Colossians chapter 1 here says, The knowledge, knowing what God would have us to do. I tell you, man, if you can, when you have tax trouble, you want to talk to somebody that knows the IRS code and they, they have knowledge and you want some facts. You don't want, well, I, I think maybe. No, that's not what you want. Well, I feel, no, I don't care about your feelings. I want to know what the facts are. Amen. And when you're dealing with God, you don't guess at this thing. You need to know, what does God say? What does God say? And if God says it, then that ought to settle it in your heart. All right? And so the knowledge of what? And that's what he said he's praying for, that you might uh, be filled with the knowledge. That is, what is God's will? And then you'll notice he says here in verse 9, that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. How? He says, in all wisdom. So once you know what you're supposed to do, would you agree with me sometimes you need to know how to do it? I may know what the Lord wants me to do. How do I do that? How do I accomplish that? Simple things in life. God wants me to be a good husband. Okay? How do I do that? God, give me wisdom to understand my wife. Help me, Lord. Because it can't be mom and dad, grandma and grandpa's idea of what a good husband is. It has to be what does God say is a good husband. So I need knowledge. I appreciate some of you couples going to Southland for a couple's retreat. It doesn't mean that your marriage is fixing to fall apart. It just simply means that you want to increase in some knowledge of how to love each other and how to have a better home. That's good. The reason why we have men like Brother Welder come up and speak at our Valentine's banquet is because he has some knowledge. And he, he, he gave us some knowledge about how to, to listen and communicate with our, our mate. And so we're talking about wisdom. I need to know, okay, Lord, here's what you want me to do. Now, how do I accomplish this? How do I do this? I need the wisdom from God of how to do it. But then you'll notice he also said in verse number uh, Nine, he says, and spiritual understanding, that has to do with the why. Now listen, God sometimes, Brother Lorne, is not going to tell you why. And I'm satisfied with that. As long as I know what he wants me to do, and if I, he'll tell me how to do it, I'm happy. But sometimes he wants me to understand, son, here's why I want you to do this. And here's why I want it done this way. Sometimes he will help you to understand that. It's not something you can always get, but sometimes He does show you why. 
You know why? Because usually when you're leading your family or you're teaching your children, usually what is one of the questions those kids ask? Why? Why? Why does God do this? Why has God done that? Why did God say this? Why did God say that? And every once in a while, we need to be able to tell them why. Usually we say, listen, you just go out and trust the Lord. I can't explain all His ways. But once in a while, you'll have the answer to why we're doing this, other than just because I said so. Amen? Now look in verse number 10. And now we're looking here at the blessings, and they are threefold as well. The prayer was for the knowledge, the what, the how, and the why. The blessings are threefold as well. You'll find in verse number 10 that the blessings are upward, the blessings are outward, and the blessings are inward. If you do the will of God. There's great blessings in doing God's will. Notice in verse number 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. In other words, as you do God's will, you are now pleasing the Lord. That is an upward blessing. Brother Scott, I want to please the Lord. I may not be able to please my family or my church from time to time, but I think if they want to do God's will, that would be, it'll work together. But I'm saying that sometimes you can't please everybody. But I sure want to please the Lord. And the Bible says here that you might walk worthy of the Lord. That is the upward blessing of doing the will of God. Then look at the outward blessing. He says being fruitful, being fruitful in every good work. So whatever you put your hands to, and, and, and I don't mean necessarily your, your daily job, but I'm talking about whatever you're engaged in, the Bible says that God wants to bear fruit through you. Wherever He has, has you in your position and your disposition, God wants to bear fruit through you. Now remember, that goes back to your disposition. Now I've told you before and I'll tell you again, fruit is not for the tree. Fruit is for the people who bump into the tree. If fruit stays on the tree, it breaks the limbs, it damages the tree. People come by, they pick fruit off of it, and they're refreshed by it. The Lord's will is, is that you be in the will of God no matter where you are, no matter what position, but your disposition is to do and be what God would have you to do so that when people bump into you, you're different. And they're able to pick something out of your life and able to be refreshed by being around you. Remember the book of James says that either you're a fountain of fresh water or you're a fountain of salt water. And if somebody bumps into you, they need to have some expectations that, hey, you know what? It's a blessing to be around him. It's a blessing to be around her. And I'm refreshed when I talk to them. Because the world is whiny, complainers, critical, cynical, ungodly, vile, lustful, selfish. And when you get around somebody who's been born again, regenerated by the Spirit of God, their desire is to be a blessing to the people they bump into. That is our goal. How can I be a blessing to you? Now the Bible says here that the, 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 the benefit of this, the blessings in verse 10, are upward, outward, being profitable to others. But then he says, I love this, verse 10, the last part of that verse, increasing in the knowledge of God. That's inward. 
And that, my friend, is one of the blessings of doing God's will. You want to know more about God? Do what He says. And if you'll do what God says, God will show you more of Himself. I mean, He really will. He won't give you the whole shebang. He just gives you a little bit at a time. And the more that you follow Him, the more you please Him, the more you serve Him, man, you get a taste of Him and He starts working in your life and you start being a blessing to other people, God starts revealing more of Himself to you. And promise you there's enough of Him it will last through your lifetime and throughout eternity about you learning some things about Him. Amen. And I want to know more about God. I do. I want to know more about the Lord. But that's the inward, the personal growth for you and me. And that's what Paul said in verse number 10. He said, increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Now some of you have increased in the knowledge of your Bible without increasing in the knowledge of God. You have gotten information and education without transformation because you're not interested in doing what you have learned. And when you don't do what you've learned, you'll forget some of the things that you were taught. And really, it's just become a book of information. This book is a guidebook for me. And I'm, I'm looking, okay, Lord, what do we do here? Okay, Lord, we've come up on this spot. What do you expect of me? What do you want me to do? How can I handle this? And so I'm just trying to get you to see it is worth it. I want uh, my young grandson, Bronson, and Gavin to get a hold of the fact that there is a great God, and He's a living God. And the more they seek after Him, the more they'll learn about Him. Sometimes you go to a good Bible-believing church, and you leave and say, Man, I didn't didn't get nothing out of that. Well, I'm going to have to ask you, have you put anything into it? And what I'm asking you, too, did you go there to receive and to obey and to learn and to walk to please God? You know what Paul said about some folks? He said, I have a lot of things to tell you. He said, but um, it's hard to utter. These things are hard to utter to you because you are dull of hearing. In other words, you're not listening. And so, thank God. Listen, here you are on a Sunday night. Man, here you are with your Bibles open. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. I thank God that you want to be here. And that you're trying to learn about the will of God. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. How much it strengthens me in my inner man. In your love for God. In your love for His Word. Now we're all growing. And we're all on different levels. We're all going at different speeds. But we're all heading in the same direction. So I want you to notice this. The battle is real. I'll tell you again. I'm going to repeat these things on purpose. When we start talking about praying and doing the will of God, remember what's going to bump into you. It's going to be your will. It's going to bump into God's will. Because your will is not going to always be in agreement with God's will. And that's where you're going to have to yield yourself and get away from your will. Pastors are disqualified for being self-willed. And people are harmed in their lives when they are very selfish, egocentric, narcissistic, when it's all about them. And they look at the Bible as almost like it's their servant instead of them being the Bible's servant. They find what they want, they pick what they like, and they'll argue with the parts that they don't like. But I'm telling you, listen... This book is a supernatural book, and and the only way that you really understand it 
is by the illumination of the Holy Spirit into your heart. He gave it by inspiration to pages. He gives it to the heart through illumination. When it's being preached and taught, you're sitting there and the light comes on. And God says, I see that. In your heart, you say, I see that, Lord. I understand that. Now, you'll notice something else here. Not only will your will bump into you, but other people around you, their will is going to bump into you. I would love to live in a world where everybody wanted to do the will of God. That would be awesome. Sister Sherry, wouldn't it be awesome if you went to class tomorrow? I mean, the age group she deals with is rough. They're high school students, right? Oh, boy. Mm. In a public school. Wouldn't it be a blessing, though, for one day, out of all the time that you worked there, you walked in tomorrow and said, they said, teacher, we just want you to know we've changed our hearts and minds to follow the Lord, and we just want to do the will of God, and you tell us what to do, and we'll do it. Would you faint? We'd have to call 911, right? Trouble comes to my heart when any member of our assembly gets sideways with God. It always hurts me. Hurts me. I, I, I'm concerned about it at night when I go to bed. And I said, Lord, please help them. Not to resist your will. Not to be influenced by other people. But to choose to let you influence their hearts and their lives. Because somebody's always dropping something that's contrary to the will of God into your ears. I can't choose who lives around me, but I can choose who influences me. I can choose that. I sure can. And that third area is, man, you embrace the will of God. You pursue it with all your heart, with all your mind. Now, let's talk about this. Let me give you a few illustrations of this. About Let's consider again what this threefold thing was about the scale of God's will, about what to do, how to do it, why to do it. Okay, then I'll try to give you some help here and we'll have an invitation. I want to have an invitation tonight. Uh, when I say invitation to our visitors, I mean an altar call. I'm talking about you drawing out of God and seeking His will. Let's talk about the what. Do you agree that the what requires some knowledge? If I'm going to do the will of God, don't I have to have some information? Okay, so whose shoulder does that fall upon? That falls upon the Lord. He is going to have to reveal His will to us. Now, way back when, before there was a Bible, God still was able to communicate to men what He wanted them to do. When you read Hebrews 11, God had no problem communicating with men what He wanted them to do. God has ways to communicate with man before there was a Bible ever written and copied and given. And where there are no Bibles, God is still able to communicate with men. I am a Bible man. I'm just telling you, don't limit yourself to what God is able and has been able to do. If you say God has communicated to you apart from the Scriptures, I promise you this, that communication will never be contrary to what is in the Word of God. Okay? Because, I mean, you may have had a vision, but, man, it could have been too much pizza. And also, it could have been from a demon. So we're talking about what? All right, let's talk, let's talk about Abraham. The Lord spoke to Abraham. How did He speak to him? The Bible just says He spoke to him. Did he speak to him 
audibly? I don't know. Did he speak to his inner man? Did a thought come into his mind? I don't know, but he knew it wasn't his voice, and he knew that it was the voice of the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, I want you to leave this place. So Abraham was given specific directions on what to do. And he wasn't at that moment told why, but he was told what to do. One step at a time. Amen. One of the guys I really like to look at about this is Jonah. A word of the Lord came to Jonah and told him specifically where to go and what to do and why to do it. Man, he had the whole package. What did he do? He went the opposite direction. Then God had to give him an attitude adjustment. And you're going to learn as parents that you can tell those young folks, if you, don't, if you don't adjust your attitude, I'm going to adjust it for you. But you'll find as they become 18, 19, 20, 21, that stops. At some point, they have to, they have to adjust their own attitude or God has to adjust that attitude. And if, you don't, if God has a plan and He's trying to speak to your heart about something, listen, and you disobey Him, you run from Him, because you don't like what he wants you to do. You don't agree with him. He will send you to Whale University. And you will wind up, your altar will be whale blubber. In the dark. And you'll be getting crying out to God and saying, Lord, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Lord God, you're right. I promised you I'd serve you. I promised you I want to do your will. Here I am running from you. And that whale spit him up, got him on land. And the Lord, the Bible says, the word of the Lord came the second time. Man, what a privilege that is if God talks to you the second time when you didn't listen the first time. He knew what to do. Let's pick Jehoshaphat, Brother Kevin. Jehoshaphat and his people were surrounded by a great army. That army came and mocked their God. And they said, hey, all these other gods that that said they were going to protect them, we wiped them out, we'll wipe your God out too. Jehoshaphat brought that letter and those accusations against him and brought it before the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And sometimes you're going to face some circumstances that you don't know what to do. And so he admitted it and confessed it and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Well, I think that he did the right thing when he didn't know what to do. He went and talked to God about it. And he confessed, I don't know what to do. And when you don't know what to do, you do what you know. You pull your heart out to God. And if necessary, you fast and draw nigh to God. And if necessary, you get some people to pray for you and fast with you about something. And then the Lord sent a word through a prophet and said, here's what I want you to do. And it wasn't. Then he showed him how he wanted them to do it, and it was a little off the wall. He said, I want you to get a choir together, and I want you to, the choir to lead the army against the other army. And the why of that is, is because no man could get the glory for the victory in the battle but God. But here's the conclusion Jehoshaphat came to through all of that. He said, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And some of the battles you're facing, God wants to teach you some things about Him. He wants to increase your knowledge of Him. He really is able 
to help you and to do a work in you. And the how, I think about, I think about Noah. He knew what to do and he knew how to do it. You know how I know he knew how to do it? Because God gave him a plan, a scale of how to build the boat. Now that is what I'd like to get from God every single day. I'd like for God to fax me or email me every single day what he would like for me to do and how to do it. He wouldn't even have to tell me why. I just love him and I want to please him. But God doesn't work that way. He wants me to make good judgment calls. He wants my heart and my spirit to walk with him and be sensitive to his word. But he knew what to do and how to do it. And he knew why to do it because he knew the judgment of God was coming upon the earth. I love Joshua. Joshua uh, was told what to do with Jericho. And he was told to take the walls down. Then he was told how to do it. You mean, Lord, you want us just to walk around this place? Then, Lord, on the, on, the, on the seventh day, you want us just to walk around seven times and blow trumpets, Lord? You don't hear Joshua arguing with him. He says, Lord, if I swear how you want to do it, I, I trust you. Did God bring the walls down? Yes, he did. Why did why, and why? Because he wanted to show, he wanted to strike fear in the hearts of the enemies of God throughout that land. That's what he wanted. And to remind some of, that, some of the, the, the kids about their parents 40 years before when they said, oh, we can't go over there, they're too big, they're too powerful, they're too strong. And God was letting them know that, man, these are, these are no match for your God. And sometimes God puts you in some difficult places to show you how strong and powerful that He can be and will be. And the why. Noah, what to do, why to do it. Abraham eventually was shown why and how God was going to do it. He said, I'm going to call you out. And then I, this is how I'm going to do this. I'm going to have your wife give birth to a child, the promised seed. And through that seed, I'm going to bless the world. But it was years later that he understood why. I don't need to know, Brother Tucker, right now why. I just need to know what and how. In each of these, I need you to understand that God communicated His will. So if you're confused about what to do, you need to ask yourself, am I already doing what He has communicated me to do? Most of us already know more than what we're already doing. But God is able and desires for you to be in His will. Because like I said before, I cannot do what I do not know. I'm going to tell you something about the goodness of God, the long-suffering and patience of God. The Lord considers our ignorance. He does. He considers our willingness in that ignorance and our desire. Do we want to remain ignorant? Or do we want to know? He, he knows that. Some people are willingly ignorant and they don't want to know. They don't want to be instructed. They don't want to learn. I think there are three, three categories of these people. There are some who have not known. Now I'm talking about when we face the judgment of God. There are some people who have not known and they'll be punished less. Those are by Jesus' own confession words. He said, you told those Pharisees. He said, if Sodom and Gomorrah had heard what you heard, they'd have repented. How about that? He said, he said, you'll face greater judgment in your day than they have, than they will. Because you have seen and you have heard and you have known and you have refused. 
I will say to you, the more we're exposed to light, the more we're exposed to truth, the more we're held accountable for. It's better to have not known the way of righteousness than to have known it and walked away from it. Truth, truth, God's word and God's will demands a response. And there are some who have known and would not do it. They're punished more. And there are some who have known, embraced it, and did it. And they shall be rewarded greatly for doing the will of God. You're never wasting your life, your time, your talents for doing God's will. We are responsible to do. What did James 4, 17, I believe it's verse 17 says. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, to him it is sin. Let's close with just a couple of practical illustrations here in the New Testament. Turn with me to um, Ephesians. Just a few pages over to your left. Chapter 5. What to do, how to do it, why to do it. Does God care about our families? Yes, He does. Because within the family realm is where the, is the foundation of the church. As the families go, so goes the church. And what God, what, what God wants out of men is to love their wives as Christ loved the church. An unselfish love of giving. That is what God would have you to do. How to do that would be for you to walk in the Spirit and for you to learn 1 Corinthians 13 and to love them with a godly love. Not a fleshly love, but a godly love. That would be in Ephesians 5. Here you'll find here in verse number, um, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's what God wants out of me towards Cindy. If I choose to get married, if I choose to have a wife, it is God's will that I show myself to be a man. That I love her and take care of her and cherish her and provide for her. You agree with that, fellas? That's God's will. And if you're not going to take care of her, then don't get married. If you're just going to be self-serving, then be a self-serving bachelor. Amen? Don't don't pour your selfishness upon a a dear woman. Don't do that. And so, because God gets glory out of that. God gets glory. The why of that is because it solidifies the home. It provides security in the home, and it, and, it, and it strengthens the church, the men do. And the ladies, the Bible says, you're familiar with this, the Bible says in uh, verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That would be what God would have you to do, and in doing so, you need how to do that is to yield yourself, first of all, to the Lord Himself. Because if you, if you yield yourself in this direction, it will be much easier to yield yourself in this direction. And then it will have an impact on those underneath you. Then we talk about the children. Look at chapter 6. This is a big one. The Bible says, and I say to our young people, I want to say that uh, sometimes uh, a young man at age 17, 18 years of age, he wants... He wants freedom and liberties without responsibilities. 
That's not God's will. If you're at home, you put your feet on the table, you are still to submit yourself to all the rules of the household. Amen. 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 Otherwise, just get your own house. Get your own table. Put your feet under your own table. Eat your own food. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 6 and verse 1 says, Children, I don't want the parents to say anything right here. I want only the children. You got your Bibles open? I want you to tell me what, I want you to read it with me right here. When, when I say children, then you pick up. I want to hear you. Children, obey. That was weak. <laughs> Woo, that was weak. You ought to have that memorized. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? It's right. So, you don't have to worry about where you're going to be when you're 35. You just worry about right now, obeying your mother and father. Honor them. This is what God would have you to do. Verse 2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well. There's the why with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. How about that? Boy, you honor the Lord, and He blesses you. Wow. One more place. Look in Philippians 4. Cindy, I want you to get ready to come, uh, dear, to the piano, if you're, if you're able to play tonight. Um, if not, Crystal can come. It's okay. Uh, Philippians chapter number 4. Look right here. What would be the will of God tonight? If my heart was full of worry and burdened with cares and anxiety, what what would God have me to do? How would He have me to handle that? If my heart was troubled, what would He have me to do? Philippians chapter 4 has a good answer of what the Lord would have us to do. If you'll notice in verse number 6, this would be God's will. This is what you do. This is how you do it. He says, be careful for nothing. I find that very difficult sometimes. Being careful means anxious and being worried and being concerned for people or things or events or circumstances. I find it very difficult for the word nothing. I'm being honest with you. But I know what God's will is. God's will is that I bow my knee before Him and He says, I got this. The Bible says in verse 6, He says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Because when you take thanksgiving in with you, you're focused on your problem and you miss what's really going on, some of the other things that are going on around you. You're focused on just what's driving you to your knees, what is driving you to the ground, and your focus is completely lost on the horizon of some of God's blessings as He's put around you. And He says, I want you to come into the prayer closet, and I want you to pour your heart out to me. I want you to cast your care upon me, but I want you to bring with you thanksgiving because there are some things that are good that are still going on in your life. And when we say everything around us is falling apart, you're not Job. 
And the Bible says in verse 60, it says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now here it is. Let your requests be made known unto God. That's God's will. Pull your heart out to Him. Trust in Him at all times. Pull your heart out unto Him. And the Bible says, here's why you need to do that. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, I'll keep you from going crazy. I'll keep you from going under. I will keep your heart and mind. If you'll give me your heart and mind, I'll keep your heart and mind. And verse 8 also implies that now you watch what comes back into your mind. When you get up from the altar or you leave the prayer closet, you be careful what comes right back into your thought life and your minds. Because it'll be coming. The fiery darts will come. You hold up that shield of faith and you think upon that which is true. Yes, Lord, this really is what's going on. These are the facts. God, I'm just going to have to pour my heart out to you and trust you that somehow in some way you'll give me grace to make it through this. Give me the right disposition because I can't fix everything that's around me. But help me to walk in your will through this. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Let's stand together as we do.